This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Wow, friends, let's pray together. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that we get to be connected. I want to thank you, God, that nothing that the enemy throws at us will be able to distract us from what you have for us. God, I thank you that it's beautiful, it's precious, and I pray, Holy Spirit, come and breathe on this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, God has called us to be like redwoods, to be planted, to shine His light, to, to display His splendor, to, to live for His glory. And friends, when you get planted, we all know this, when you get planted together with some other trees in the same field, remember we've spoken about this, the local church is the field. God plants us in a field, not in a pot plant. God doesn't keep us isolated. No, God wants us to be connected. But when you get planted in the same field, your roots, your roots, start kind of touching other roots and there's some there's some some we rub one another the wrong way and so often what happens is is that the enemy then uses disunity he sows disunity to rob us from community now community for me is those is this word common unity it's common unity so if you take unity out you lose something of community community runs on the fuel of unity community runs on the fuel, fuel of unity. And I believe that God has called us, each and every one of us, to be planted. I believe that God has called us to unlock His glory and His splendor in and through our lives. And God wants to connect us to a grander vision. And that's why we are planted in a local church, friends. That's why we are not disconnected. We are connected for a greater vision, a greater plan, a greater purpose. That's not only you and me, it's bigger than us. It's a godly vision. It's a vision that's, that's free from smallness. It's embracing the bigness of God. And uh, just like Abraham, remember what happened with Abraham? Abraham found himself, friends, alone in a tent, and God started promising Abraham promises. God started speaking to Abraham about, about God's heart and, and Abraham's destiny. And you know what God had to do with Abraham? He had to say to Abraham, Abraham, get out of the tent Get out of your smallness. Get out of your own little space and just your kind of like environment and your comfort zone. And step out of the tent and look to the sky and look to the stars and, and look at the, what I want to do. I want to do a heavenly thing in your life, not an earthly thing only, Abraham. Yes, you might be wanting an earthly inheritance, but I want to give you a heavenly inheritance. Yes, you want to maybe, you want to see your family flourish. That's good, Abraham, but I've got more for you. I want to give you the heavens. I want to give you the, the, the inheritance that's far greater. We've spoken about this. Ephesians chapter 1, 18 says, there's an inheritance that's found in the saints. God hides this inheritance in and amongst these people. And these people are like stars. You and I are called to shine like stars in the universe, to call out the name of Jesus. And it's amazing how God says to Abraham, Abraham, look at your destiny, because this is not only going to be earthly, this is going to be eternal. But you're the father of faith. Put your faith out with me, Abraham. Put your faith out with, with me and your people and, and my people, says God. And you're going to see just this heavenly inheritance that you're going to embrace. I believe that remember what Bono said, Bono, the lead singer of U2, he said, sometimes what we do is we, we do what we want to do and then we beg God to bless what we are doing. So, so we kind of like have our little plan, our little vision, our little community, our little things and kind of we get offended or we get to kind of do our own thing and then we say, God, please bless this mess. <laughs> but the truth be told is Bono said, we should rather be asking, God, what are you doing 
Because when we join God in what God is doing, it's already blessed. And God is building a community on the planet. And the way that that community is built through many local churches, local expressions of Jesus Christ, many local communities that, 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 that gather around Christ, that commune around Christ, the unifying factor in every community, what brings unity is Christ Jesus. When He's the center, friends, it's about Jesus. And when you and I gather, when you are planted, friends, you don't have to like the people in your church. You don't have to be best friends with the people in your church. You need to be best friends with Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus, you'll be drawn closer and closer to the people of God. It's amazing how Genesis chapter 11, we read about, and this for me is a a powerful account of of the reality of unity, common unity. And so we see how how these people come together and they say they're going to build a tower, the Tower of Babel, and they're going to build this tower. They're going to make their own way. They're going to make their own plans. They're going to make their own ways to kind of worship God and to get to the heavens. They want to, this is a form of religion. It's like you and I make our own way to get to God, but God does not want us to work to get to Him because He's already worked to get to us. So He wants us to believe in Him, trust in Him, and put our faith in Him and be part of His family so that we can enjoy Him and we can commune around Him. We can be in common unity around Him. And so what happens is, friends, is we see how how God comes and He sees them and He makes this statement. God makes a statement, not a man. God makes this statement. And this statement is still true today. And God knows this. And sadly, the enemy, the devil also knows this. He says in verse 6 of Genesis 11, it says, The Lord said, if as one people, can you say one people? God wants us to be as one people. Find your people. Chris Vallotton says, when you find your people, you'll find the destiny of God, the purposes of God, the, 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 the plans of God. Many of the promises of God are connected to you and me finding our people. And if you're in a local church right now and you haven't found your people, find your people. Don't just find a building. Don't just find a place where they sing nice songs and they preach you happy. Find your people. Find the people that you can be planted with together. It says, if as one people speaking the same language, can you say same language? That means they've got one heart and one mouth. They speak the same. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, as we believe in our hearts, so we speak. It says here, same language. They have begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God knows this. That when we can be unified and we can be in unity together, nothing we plan to do is impossible. God knows this. And so the only way you could stop them from building this tower was not by breaking down the tower, was not by making them weaker. No, all he had to do is he just had to change their language. He just had to sow disunity among them, that they misunderstand one another, they offend one another, they disappoint one another, they disagree with one another. And so when that happens, the work stops and they get, they get distracted by each other's, the, the misunderstandings of one another. And I've seen this in the church, I've seen this in families, I've seen this in sports teams, I've seen this in, in leadership sessions, I've seen this in business, I've seen this at schools. I've seen this in the government. I've seen this everywhere where no matter what you do, wherever there's disunity, there's no progress. I've seen this in marriages. If the enemy can rob you of your unity, he can rob you of your destiny or marriage. I've seen this with parents and their children and families. I've seen this that even in surgery, friends, just imagine being in surgery and, and, and these specialists are working together 
to, to do a heart surgery. And, and imagine there's disunity. And they say, no, no, we're going to do that vein. And no, 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 we're going to do this vein. And they start arguing with one another. That's how patients die. And we've got people dying eternally because the church is getting distracted with our differences. We're getting distracted with our misunderstandings. We get distracted with our offenses. An army without unity, an army without unity starts fighting one another instead of fighting their real enemy. And the devil knows this. I believe the church is more busy fighting one another often than they are fighting the real enemy. The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of the air. And so it says in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So here's the thing, friends. That person that offended you, it's not about that person. It's not about you. It's about the, the progress of the kingdom. It's about the glory of God. And can we take our eyes off ourselves sometimes and take our eyes off our brother or sister that hurts us? Put our eyes on Jesus. Jesus himself said, he says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. See, when we are divided, we can't stand. We can't progress. We can't make a difference. I want to say this to you. Marriages, if you're married, I want to ask you today to be in unity with your wife. I want to ask you that if, you, if you're in business, be in unity with those that are partnering with you. If you're in a sports team, be in unity with those that you are with. Now, in the, in, in the New Testament, we see, often see this word, the church, being, uh, the, 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 the Greek word for church, often in the New Testament, is, is this word, ecclesia. Ecclesia, it's a Greek word, and actually that Greek word is not the way that we would understand. So we say church, and people say, oh, is that a building? I know that we know church is not a building that we go to. It's a people we belong to. We know that we, we are the church, connected with one another for the glory of God, with the mission of God, with the vision of Jesus Christ, with the faith that Jesus Christ puts us in together, community, common unity, gathered around one common person, his name is Jesus. One common goal is to advance the kingdom of God on the planet. That's why we exist. And so what happens is we see how, 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 how people sometimes say, no, no, the, the church is something that I go to, something that I attend, some place that I, a club that I maybe subscribe to, get a membership to. No, no, that's not the church. The church is the ecclesia. That word ecclesia was actually a war term. It was a term used to call people out for a purpose. So what they would do is, is they, would call, they would call this group of people, they would call them the Ecclesia. So if they were going to war, they would send out these letters to these soldiers and they would call them out. They'll call them out of their communities. They'll call them out of their workplace. They'll call them out of their family and they'll bring them into a, a one space and they'll say, you are the Ecclesia. You are the called out ones. We've got a specific mission. We've got a specific mandate we've got a specific plan and you are called out for that mandate for that plan and that means that you and i are god's called out ones for his plans his purposes and his mission and his mandate we are the called out ones we are called out for such a time as this we are called out to be part of the called out ones you're not just a passive people we are called out for his glory. Now you might say, but Mark, how does that look? You work that out with Jesus and with your leaders in your local church and with other believers in faith. But we are called out together. We are called out for partnership. We are called out for koinonia, which is that beautiful word that actually speaks about God's life and our life together. It's a, it's a kingdom partnership. We are, we, we, we've got this fellowship. We, we, we're drawn into the fellowship with God and, and then it's worked out. This fellowship with God is worked out in the body of Christ.
See, you and I are called to be part of the body of Christ. And so that means you can't say that you love Jesus and you don't love his church because Jesus is the head of the body. We are the body. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 14, we'll read that, but the, but, but the whole chapter really touches on us being different parts of the same body. It says in, in verse 12, it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. We are all baptized by one spirit, so as to from one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we, are, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. He's actually saying, and, and later on he says, he says, you, one part of the body cannot say to the another part of the body, I don't need you. We need one another. We coexist. We thrive together when we are connected. Together, we're part of the body of Christ. Many people say to me, Mark, I, I, I serve Jesus, but I don't want to be connected to the body. Well, if you disconnected from the body, you can't experience the life of the body. And so what many people do is they kind of have these outhouse ministries, these disconnected ministries. And what they do with that is they basically what they do is they become like a hat, like a, an accessory, or they become like a chain. Or some people are very tight with the body. They become like a glove or sometimes like a shoe. Now a glove sits very tightly on the hand, but it's not a hand. So you might have a, like a ministry that's kind of like you get, you, you kind of, it looks like you're part of the body, but you're actually not experiencing the, the, the life of the body, the blood, the life of the flesh is in the blood, the Bible says. You don't experience the life of Christ. You don't experience even, even the head ministering to you because everything flows from the head. Everything flows from the head. So if you just a glove, friends, you can be disconnected at any time. You can kind of be used and abused and you don't get, you don't draw from the life of the body. And then in a sense, you become old and then, and then you know what happens with shoes and gloves is they, they get worn out, they get burnt out and then they get thrown away. And then new gloves and new shoes come. It's like scaffolding to a building. You don't get, you don't get built into the building, but you're just part of being built. And friends, God's plan and God's desire for you is that you would be a foot, not a, not a shoe, that you'd be a hand, not a glove, that, you, that, you'd, that, you'd, that you'd be part of this amazing body and that Jesus Christ would be your head, connected, connecting you with other believers and that sometimes other believers are going to frustrate you but you're going to be connected because together we're connected to the head and, and His life flows through this body for our benefit and for our growth and for our health. And so then it's amazing how Jesus gets glorified when we are connected to one another. It's like I said, it's, it's like God also calls us a building. He calls us a body. He calls us an army. He calls us a bride. He calls us a family, but he also calls us a building. And God wants to dwell in amongst us. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, speaking about the fact, in that same passage speaks about the fact that we are priests. We are priests of God. And 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, as you come to him, the living stone. So Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the Bible says. He's the living stone. And now that you and I put our faith in Jesus, we too become part of him. It says this living stone, Jesus Christ, was rejected by humans but chosen by God and he's precious to him. So he was chosen by God even though he was rejected by men. You also, listen to that. Can you say me too, even me? <laughs> you also like living stones. We are living stones. If you're watching with someone, tell them you're a living stone. 
You're not a scaffolding. You're not a shoe. You're not a glove. You're, you're part of the body. You built, listen to this, living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And God wants you to be a living stone built together for God's glory, built together to inhabit for God's presence to come and dwell in and amongst us, built together. Now, stones, friends, are different than bricks, my friend. Vickers Thunder spoke about this so powerfully many years ago. Bricks are man-made and they're well-shaped and many of them might be smooth, might be nice and they fit nicely together. Stones are not like that. When you build with stones, <laughs> it's a bit harder because you've got to kind of like, you've got these sharp edges, some stones have sharp edges. Now, you know who you're thinking about right now because you've got someone in your church that's got some sharp edges. And then when they have these sharp edges, we get a little bit like, oh, I don't want to be built next to that one. I don't want to be built part of that sharp edge. And some of them have like ugly forms. Some stones are not, some stones are beautiful and others look a little bit, mm, they don't look so great. And so some people are not as attractive as others. And so some, some people, when they get built together, you know what happens to them is they don't kind of fit in the beginning. So there's a lot of kind of like moving around. That's how they build with, with stones, to build a wall with stones, to build a a building, a house with stones, takes much longer. Why? Because you kind of have to, what the builder does is he takes all these stones next to it and he kind of, it's like building a puzzle. And he's got to find little spots. And there where you've got excess, it fills someone else's um, lack. And so together we get built together like puzzle pieces. Not like bricks with dagger, but like puzzle pieces. And then, you know, you know what keeps us together is the Spirit of God, the bond of peace the unity of the, of the Spirit, the faith in Jesus Christ, that's what holds us together. It's the Word of God, the truth of Jesus, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the faith that we put in Jesus Christ together. And so when you and I get built together for the glory of God, God gets the glory. And then we become these living stones, not dead stones, not burnt stones, friends. There's just too many burnt stones that have been, that, that the buildings have been destroyed by the, by, by the attacks of the enemy and then people have become offended, they've become hurt and disconnected and now they are kind of like isolated and they're lying on, the, on a rubble somewhere. We need to go and fetch those burnt stones. We need to build them back together into the building, into the household of God. Paul writes this, he says to Timothy, this is how we should conduct ourselves in the household of God. Friends, if you're not part of the household of God, you're not living New Testament Christianity. I'm sorry to say, I love you and I'm telling you the truth. And friends, one thing that the enemy, one attack that the enemy brings against this unity, against us being connected, against us being built together, one attack that he brings is this word offense. Another way to explain it is, is unforgiveness or bitterness. Is when someone offends you, someone hurts you, you, you kind of eject yourself from the building of God. You, you disconnect yourself and you say, no, no, I'd rather become a glove. I'd rather become a shoe. Why? Because uh, it's just too uncomfortable. It's just too hurtful. Now, friends, if you've ever been married for longer than 20 seconds, I'm sure you've been offended by your spouse. If, you, if you've ever had a good friend, a close, close friend that you've been friends with for many years, I'm sure that you guys have offend, offended one another. If you've ever had parents, that I'm sure they've offended you, you've offended your parents. And I'm here to say to you, friends, is that's the beauty of true love relationships, true partnership in the gospel, true common unity is that when you and I can break through, when we can work through, we can persevere through, we can press through the offense, 
that the enemy brings. Because Jesus says, in this world, you will be offended. He says, I, says, I guarantee you this, you will be offended. But, he's saying, he's saying, I've overcome. God wants us to find his grace to work through our offenses. And I've, what I've found is, friends, is if you're far from God, I'm here to say to you, if the church has hurt you, today I want to ask you to put your faith in Jesus. And because of what he did for you on the cross, will you ask him to, to show you how he's forgiven you so that that forgiveness, to show you how he's released you from your offense towards him so that that forgiveness and freedom can overflow into your relationships and that you can be planted back again in a local church. I've told this story before, but it was quite profound. Because what I heard is I heard that there were these, there were these baboons. They were, trying, they were trying to catch these baboons in the woods once. And these baboons, what they would do is they, they would often, they would often um, bring about, you know, they, 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 would of, they would often be strong and they would not be able to be caught. No one, they put traps out for these baboons. They couldn't catch them. So they, they had a lot of kind of different ways to try and catch them. And one guy once said, what I think I should do is I know that the baboons love to eat uh, the pips of, of these pumpkins. They love to eat the pips of pumpkins. And so um, what the baboons do is they love the pips of the pumpkin. And so because they love the pips of the pump pumpkin, what this guy did is he said, the way I'm going to catch these baboons, and this is how the enemy catches us, the way I'm going to catch these baboons, so I'm going to cut a, a hole in these pumpkins. I'm going to cut a hole in these pumpkins. It's just, just big enough for a baboon's hand to get into that hole. And when that baboon's hand gets into the hole, the only way he's going to be able to get his hand out is if, he, if, if his hand's open. So if your hand is closed on the inside, that fist means that you cannot get your hand out. And so what, what this guy did is he said, if that baboon gets in and he wants the pips and he takes hold of the pips, the only way he's going to be able to get his hand out and get free is if he lets go of the pips. And I've seen this, friends, is this society, we run on, on we love just devouring gossip. We love devouring um, stories of, that makes us bitter, that makes us negative, that makes us upset, that makes us offended. We love that. And so what we do is, friends, is we put our hands in holes and we engage with offense. We engage with pips. And so what these baboons do, what happens to them is, is they put their hands in there and then they take hold of the pips and then they refuse to let go of the pips. And so you know what they do? They hold on to those pips. For dear life, they will not let go of the pips. And then what means that means is they've got to carry this heavy pumpkin with them. Now, the sad thing is, friends, they can't enjoy, they can't enjoy the pips because they're not willing to let go and they can't get their hands out. And so the more they try, the more tired they get. And so then they start carrying the pips. We're hoping that one day maybe they could break the pumpkin in order to get to the pips. And so guess what happens, friends? By them carrying this heavy load with them, they end up getting tired. And then they get so tired to the place of exhaustion and then they're so exhausted that they cannot even run away from their cap the, those that want to capture them. And then they get captured. Why? Because they're not willing to let go. And if you're close to God today, I'm here to say to you, if someone's hurt you, I know, in your church. I know this. I can guarantee you, if you've been in a church, if, if you don't get offended, you don't go enough. And if you don't get offended, you're probably not planted in a life group. Someone hurt you. Someone disappointed you. Someone offended you. And now you're feeling unforgiveness. You're feeling bitterness in your heart. And so what happens is you've taken the pips. And now you're walking with that weight and it's wearing you out and it's robbing you from the destiny of God and the enemy is having a field day with you. And my prayer for you today 
is that you let go of the pips, that you let go of the unforgiveness, that you let go of the offense. And I know it's easier said than done, it's not easy. But somewhere along the line, friends, you gotta let go in order to let go of the weight that comes with it. Let go of the, 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 the way that it steals from you. Someone once said, they said unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the person that hurt you would die from you drinking poison. The truth is, you're the one that suffers. And so today, I pray that we'll have common unity and that we'll let go of the things, that we'll let go of the pips, that we'll let go of the things. And if you may be far from God and you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I'm here to say to you, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Jesus Christ knew that you sinned against Him and that you are guilty and He chose to forgive you anyway. He, he let go of your sin. He actually paid for it with His own life so that you can be free and you can experience forgiveness. And today is your day of salvation. But if you're close to God, like me, friends, I've been doing this for many, many, more than 20 years. The only way you can do this is let go and allow God to bring about common unity so that you can embrace being part of the family of God, that you can have the life of God flowing through your veins, that you can be a living stone built for the glory of God, that you can be like that redwood planted and God can be glorified. Bless you abundantly. Let's pray. God, I pray your blessing. If people that are far from you, that they will put their faith in you and find a community. But for us, Lord, that have been hurt, struggle with unforgiveness, I pray that we'll let go of the pips, let go of what holds us back mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you, friends. See you soon. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.